Hello everybody, in this episode we're going to talk about introduction to programming, or better said, introduction to paper programming and headaches. The Computer Science Software Engineering College Courses Review Podcast, where we describe the core courses that all aspiring computer scientists and software engineers should take on their college path. And now your host, Andres Arriaga. Well, hello guys. <laughs> We're going to get right into it. This course introduces the basic concepts for moduling and problem solving in an algorithmic way, as well as the fundamental strategies for the construction of computer programs. At the end of this course, the student must be able to develop basic algorithms and create them systematically in a specific computer model or programming language. And why is this course important? It's pretty self-explanatory, isn't it? It's necessary for a good foundation in programming. This will be the very first course where you program and where you will learn how to think algorithmically, which is, in my opinion, the most important thing you can get out of this course. Now, my professor, he was one of the best professors I've had in my life. He was chilled, smart, and funny. And he was also ripped <laughs> and uh, looked just like Chajan. If you don't know who Chajan is, just Google him and you'll pretty much get to see how my professor looked. <laughs> funny, funny comment. Also, he was really good at teaching the algorithmic way of thinking and how to solve problems logically with the minimum amount of effort. On our first lessons, he taught us about recursion, one of the most important concepts in programming. He started out by stating a problem where he wanted to discover the factorial exponent of a number. This is calculating the exponential succession backwards all the way to zero. So for example, if the user gave us two integers, like 2 and 5 as the inputs, we had to calculate 2 to the power of 5 plus 2 to the power of 4 plus 2 to the power of 3 plus 2 to the power of 2 plus 2 to the power of 1 plus 2 to the power of 0. And the program would have to return a 63 as the result. This program was meant to help calculate the binary value of all bits turned on until the nth position. Our professor asked us what needed to be done in order to program this. We proposed using loops like while loop or a for loop. Uh, however, he wasn't satisfied with any of the proposals. Instead, he introduced to us the concept of recursion. Recursion is a way to solve a problem using the same problem but with a smaller input or an input that is closer to being a result. And with this I mean that if we want to program a function that solves the factorial exponent problem, then the function calls itself, but with a slight change that shortens the problem in the long run. So bear with me here. If you're familiar with a little of programming, you might know that functions in a programming language like Python you usually return something. You can return a function, or better said, a result of a function. This function can be any function that exists on your module or your file, which means that it can be itself. Why would you want to call on the same function? Well, because you can call on your function with a smaller input, making the problem get smaller in the long run. By the way, when you use return inside your function, you immediately end that function's life and return a result. However, if we return a function, we need to go into that function to see what the function returns as the result. For example, say we have a positive integer called base and another positive integer of our exponent called exponent. We want to calculate base to the power of exponent plus base to the power of exponent minus 1 plus base to the power of exponent minus 2 and so on and so forth all the way back to base to the power of 0. So in a recursive approach, we would call on the same function but with our input decreased by 1. 
inside the function it would look like return base to the power of exponent plus function call with the inputs base and exponent minus one what this will do is call itself and wait on the result to complete the addition now we need a stopping condition so that the function can stop and return a value at some point the condition might look something like if exponent is equal to zero then return one to mimic the power of zero then the function is called enough times uh, the exponent will be zero and return a definite value of one let's run this pro program with the base number of two um, called base and an exponent of three called exponent we are supposed to get a 15 as a result. For simplicity purposes, we will call the function powersum. Now we execute our powersum function with two and three as input parameters. We then run into the condition if exponent equal to zero, however, exponent is equal to three, so we don't go inside that if condition. Then we run into the return base to the power of exponent plus power sum with the inputs base and exponent minus one, which would be two to the power of, two to the power of three plus power sum. Then we go back to the beginning of power sum, having in mind that we are expected a result at some point. We go through the same if condition at the beginning, but exponent is equal to two, not yet zero. We then run into the return statement and add two to the power of two plus power sum with inputs two and exponent minus one, which is one. <laughs> we go into power sum once again, go past the condition since exponent is equal to one and not zero. Then we run into the return statement and decrease exponent. Now we enter power sum for the last time. Since exponent is equal to zero, we then go into the if condition where exponent is equal to zero and we return one, ending the function. Then we go back on the function calls and see that every time we did the calculations in the in the functions it gave us a certain a certain number that will be able to help us get the final addition of all the numbers together i remember that our first test was all recursion i was so exhausted from running recursive functions in my mind that the night i had problem sleeping because my mind was somehow still performing calculations or return statements it was something interesting to say the least and um, I know it's pretty complex thinking, but it's so worth it. If you master recursion at the beginning, like my professor intended for us to do, then cycles like whiles and fours are going to be way easier. They're going to become so much easier to understand. And, uh, well, regarding tests, we did four exams and a bunch of quizzes. A fun fact and a rebuttal to a possible misconception might be that we had to program almost everything on paper and document each function we created. My professor always said that it was better to put your idea on a piece of paper, design your solution, and then program it. Of course, this was only for us to grasp the concept of thinking in an algorithmic way, and it was only done at the beginning of the course. But it was nonetheless pretty good. <laughs> um, with all that said, we can get into the topics that this course tries to tackle. It's comprised of four main sections. The first section is called Problem Resolution. This section contains eight points, the first being algorithms, main concepts and applications. Okay, an algorithm is a finite set of steps that are needed in order to solve a problem or to obtain something. 
pay close attention to the word finite, since a computer process must be able to stop someday and return the result you're looking for, or simply just stop and let the process take place. Two execution examples. This is how algorithms work when they are running after being compiled or interpreted from a programming language. Here my professor used to write the function on the board and manually write down the intermediate results of the running process so that we could all see what was going on. This led us to understand how a program behaved once it started running. Uh, point three, definition of the problem. One of the most important concepts to understand in this discipline. It is said that a well-defined problem is halfway to being solved. Or better put, if you completely understand a problem, you are halfway on finding the solution. This is so freaking true, guys. If you understand the problem entirely, you are halfway there. Believe me. Point four, algorithm design. It's where you learn how to create your solutions based on the previous examples you learned also known as experience, <laughs> and how to improve the construction of algorithms for efficiency and robustness. Point number five, inputs, outputs, processes, and limitations. My professor always used to tell us that we had to at least document inputs, outputs, descriptions of the function and limitations or restrictions to take into consideration for each, fun for each function we made. Sorry. This is to train you so that you may be able to write clean and understandable code for others and yourself in the future. In theory, if you write code according to clean code standards, you shouldn't need to use comments in order to explain what a function does, but it never hurts to write some helpful comments here and there. Especially when you're, begin when you're a beginner and you don't really know how to program correctly and uh, you're not gonna follow standards, you know? You're basically learning the algorithmic way of thinking. Point six. Verification and analysis of the algorithm. This is just like debugging. Finding out what went wrong, where did it go wrong, and why did it go wrong. The most important thing is to actually learn from your mistakes so that in the future you won't make them again, or at least you will be more prone not to make the same mistake. Point seven is implementation of the algorithm. Basically, move your algorithm from paper to a programming language and run it. Point eight, validation of the program. It's where you realize if a program has done all it was made for and if it did it correctly. This is a little part where you really strive for excellence in your solution. Now, second main section, techniques with lists. Oh boy, do you need a whole section for this one. You use them all the time. Point one, the concept of a list. A list is an array of in memory, a vector, capable of holding certain data types and accessing them through an index. It's basically a normal list of ob objects and you can access each object by its number in the list. So if you want to get the first element in the list, you would access list at position zero, because everything in computer science starts at zero, by the way. If you want to get the 20th element of the list, you access the list as at position 19. I see it as a bag, where you can store, in some programming languages like Python, anything you want. If you want to see something in the bag, then you say, bag, let me see the element at this position. And the bag will give you the reference of that object you are looking for, or that element. Second point, membership, union, intersection, and others. These are just properties of sets and groups that you see in discrete mathematics, but here we apply them to lists in a programming language. And then you learn about 
common problems with lists like removal duplicates, uh, searching for a specific element with certain properties, regulations or modifications inside lists leading to concepts like relationships and compositions. Okay, the third main section, numerical algorithms. Point one, we got basic mathematical functions like finding out the prime numbers or a palindrome or different types of concepts that we see in math all throughout our lives and we try to implement them in a programming language. Number two, series, uh, three successions, four numerical methods, five modular arithmetic, prime numbers. It's basically everything that you can put from math, from the real world of math, into a programming language and finding out solutions to problems that you're used to doing in your head. And now we get into the real deal. <laughs> the fourth main section, advanced structures. First point we got trees and their manipulation. Trees are a data structure that is composed of nodes. A node is a capsule or a small object that can be attached to other nodes and therefore it can create more complex structures like a tree, graphs, and lists. You'll learn more about these data structures later on in its proper course, but just know that they exist. You then learn different types of advanced structures like ordered binary trees, um, imperative variables, iterations in all of these different types of data, functions as data, imperative data management, and basic handling of objects. In this one I want to say that this course was supposed to be all in Python, however my professor assigned our last programming project in Java. so. With this I mean that if you get a good understanding of the algorithmic way of thinking, of how a program behaves once it's in a computer, then you can easily switch from one computer programming language to another because you got the core feeling or the core understanding of what you should be doing. And the only thing that would change is the syntax. However, this is not really true, you know, I mean, you can get into Python all the way in and you see like there's a billion differences with Java, of course not billion, but a lot of differences regarding with Java. But for the, for the vision of the course, for what we had to do, it was enough. It was completely sufficient just to know what we're actually meant to do, why it went wrong, how do I do better, how can I create this in a better way, and that is the way that you pass from one programming language to another. Overall, this course is vital for your understanding of programming and algorithmic logic. Programming is a basic tool for a computer scientist or a software engineer. It enables you to create something intangible but real and useful nonetheless. It's the way in which you materialize your ideas and solutions into a reality known as a program. And this can be done through many different programming languages, each suited best for a particular task. We will talk more about the programming languages course later on. And with this, we conclude episode 3. Thank you very much for listening, and if you have questions, doubts, or comments for me, please DM through Twitter at AndresArriaga77 or email me at AndresArriaga7 at gmail.com. See you in the next one.